0: Thank you Stephanie. Well good morning. morning. It's good to see you. Jerry welcome back. Hi buddy. Yeah it's good to have you here. Sorry I didn't mean to put you on the spot like that. I just didn't get to see you earlier so it's awesome to have you back. Jerry's been gone uh, in Canada for several months right? Several months yeah. So glad to have you back. What's that? Yeah they they deported him, exported him, whatever you know. He came back. (laughs) It's good. Well, we're going to be Book of Ephesians today. If you turn with me to the Book of Ephesians, uh, chapter two, I'd appreciate that. <clears throat> um, today, we, we, I, you know, I told you we were going to be starting the sermon series. Lord, teach us to pray, and we are going to be starting that. But next week, and God put it on my heart—just really a burden—to share this morning. And uh, I think as—and He put that burden in my own heart too, as He as He kind of challenged me in some ways and grew me. And and so today is is kind of one of those, as we look at Ephesians 2, it's it's one of those reminders uh, of our commitment to the body of Christ, to be the body, to our our commitment to one another, uh, certainly our commitment to Jesus and our commitment to growth. Um, You know, and and I think we have to be reminded of those things, or we should be uh, consistently reminded of those things, just so we continue to stay the course. Um, there, There was an old illustration uh, used a long, long time ago, and, and basically it said that, that a rescue shelter was started at the edge of this, this um, uh, ocean uh, harbor, where, where ships would come in, and it got pretty choppy out there, and they'd, they'd wreck, and they'd go out, and they'd rescue, and they'd bring them into this little rescue center, and, and they, they knew what their passion was. They were passionate about, about rescuing people from, from these ships that had gone uh, overboard, or ships that had gone, gone uh, um, the, the crashed against the rocks or broke up, and they wanted to rescue people. And it was a rescue center. But as time went on and more people got involved, like, yeah, we want to be part of this mission. We want to be part of the mission. They didn't continue to remind themselves of their mission. And instead, they thought, well, this is nice. But let's, it's, you know, it's not quite comfortable in here. It's not a big enough space. Let's make it bigger. Let's put better, better beds in here instead of cots. Let's put beds in here. And, and this rescue center became a little more ritzy. And, and then eventually, the story goes that, that it became more of a, uh, they outsourced the rescue. Other people rescued people out in the water. And it became more of a club. That was by membership only, and you can only come in if you were vetted and, and a certain member and a certain type of person. And so this rescue center that, that was there passionately to serve and, and to, to help people who were, who were stranded and they needed to be rescued became a, a club that was exclusive and had no outward focus at all anymore and, and no longer was a rescue center. And, and for me, that, that illustration has always stuck because I don't want to get that way in my life where, where I am passionate about the people that are lost in the world needing to know Jesus. I'm passionate that, that Jesus is trying to rescue people from sin and bring them from death into life. I, I know that he's done that for me and I, I'm excited about that. And So I, want, I don't want my home to be too ritzy for someone to come in. I don't, you don't need to get, get all cleaned up before you walk inside of our home. Right? I, want, I want you to, to know that you're welcome, that you can be loved and that you can be cared for and nurtured, that, that potentially you could be rescued by the one who does the rescuing. And, and if I get that pep talk in my mind, I get kind of focused again and energized again about what my mission is as an individual. And then I think about our church as, as a church body, as the body of Christ, what our mission is. Um, we can, and I understand, I, we're all at different places in our life and our faith journey. And I think this is cyclical as well. We, we tend to, like some of us are really passionate right now about being rescuers. And some of us might be more like, I like the club aspect of this. I like the fact that I can come and sit in my same pew. It's mine and pretty much, and, I, you know, it's, I, I'm a member. I can pay my dues and I'm I'm good. Just leave me let it let it be. But we can't be that way. We we are not as the body of Christ. The body of Christ is not a club. Right? And we aren't we aren't to be exclusive. Right? Within our body. Now certainly Jesus is exclusive and heaven is exclusive, but it's for those who would believe, whosoever's, right? Would believe in Jesus Christ as savior. And that's that's the exclusiveness of it. Doesn't matter if you're male or female or slave or free, Greek or non-Greek. You can all believe. So for you and I, what we what we need to understand is that we aren't just this club. We aren't. We, and we shouldn't. If we're not a club, it shouldn't just be comfortable to be here. But there's more that should go on in the gathering, <clears throat> in the body, than uh, than sometimes we would like to have go on. Um, I I'm I heard in a conversation this week, someone wanted to, to pick a pick a bone with me. They said, I came and I wanted to try to hide but you wouldn't let me hide, and that's how it should be, right? We should love each other in that way that you, that, that you can't hide here. We want to we be a family. We want to love, love you, and, and yeah, we might be different a little bit. Someone might be more ambitious. Someone might be more secluded or introverted. That's okay. We can be that here, but we're still going to be the body of Christ, and we're going to love each other well. I want to read a verse. This is kind of our, our, our theme verse for our church. It's, it's on the wall in our office as a reminder. It's from the book of John. You can just listen to this. John 13, 30, uh, 34 and 35. So I give you a new command. This is Jesus speaking. I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, I, I want to be known as a follower of Christ. Amen. I want, I want people to look and say, yeah, Brandon, he loves Jesus. He, he follows Jesus. And I want our church to be known. I want you to be known for that as well. And if we are to do that for the community, they have to look at us and what? It says they have to look at us and see that we love one another. And that is difficult to do at times, especially when I, when I want to come in and just get my fill and get my notes taken and then leave. And, and we don't want to kind of commit to that kind of love and that kind of communication and that kind of vulnerability. It gets tough to show the world that we love one another if we aren't committing ourselves to love one another. And I know that's a growth process too, and it, it, it is baby steps into that. And some people can step right into it because they're outgoing and excited and, and passionate about it. And some are like, I've never experienced this in my life. I, how, do I have to hug? You know, no, not necessarily. But how do we, how do we love one another? So we're going to look at that today. We're going to look at the body of Christ today. As, as we are the body who gathers here, we're Christ's body. Uh, What are we? What does that look like? All right? So let's pray, and then we'll get into our our passage in Ephesians chapter 2. We'll read all of it, and we'll break it down. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity that you give us to gather together as the body of Christ. And God, we do so in this building, at this address, and certain times during the week. But God, I I pray that it would be more than just a club. It would be more than just a ritual or something we just do as a family that we would do it because we are family. God, we would gather in order to love one another well, in order to, to overflow with the praise that we have in our heart to you, in order to give of our time, of our treasure, of our talent, so that others would be benefited and the kingdom of God would grow. God, today as we look at your word, God, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to be receptive. That's one of the hardest things sometimes, God, is to yield our heart and our mind to you, but help us do that today. Help us discern what what you would have us do, individually and collectively. Guide us. God, I pray, and I I pray, God, that you would convict us and challenge us, change us, and mold us into the image of the Son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So we're in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read the entire chapter, and then we're going to break it down, okay? And you know me, I, I I love passages and love context, and Um, I I tried to take a little portion of Ephesians 2 and say, well, we can just use this. But I decided to take the whole thing God was saying. No, you need to really expound upon this. So we're reading all of chapter 2 today. Paul writes, he says in verse 1, "...and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler uh, of the power of the air, the spirit, now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires." carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. Verse 4, right? Here's my conjunction I love so much, right? Verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love that He had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So then. Remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in, uh, in the flesh by human hands. At that time you were without Christ, excluded uh, from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He is our peace. Who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh? He made no effect, uh, made of no effect, the law consisting of commands and expressed in, re- in regulations, so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so he might reconcile both to God in one body, through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away. And peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. 19. So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in Him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Let's uh, we're going to break that apart and, and kind of look at the aspects of Ephesians two that we can see there and, and learn from other scriptures as well. But we are talking about the body of Christ, and I, if we're going to be talking about the body of Christ, you know, we, we can talk about well, the body of Christ. You know, it meets at this time, and it has you know the, the temperature is always set to this this temperature, and it's always you know this is what we expect, and it's, it becomes a club, right? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a, the body of Christ is, is actually a living, organic thing that's alive. That's his body. He's the head. We're the body. And we talk about that all the time. And, and the idea of love does, right? we be his hands and his feet. We want to be Jesus' hands and his feet because we're his body. But who? someone needs to be the belly button, right? Someone needs to be the calf. Someone needs to be the knee. And, and, and as a body, it's an organic, living, vibrant thing. And if, if we aren't living vibrantly, then we're probably limping wildly because we're not being used the way God would have us be used. So let's look at this. The body of Christ, and we'll break this down. First number one is this the body of Christ are those who God's mercy has brought from death to life. The body of Christ are those whose God's mercy has brought from death to life. Amen? And see that, that is the thing that separates everything. That, that is the thing that defines it all. That we have been brought from death to life. And I love that first part of the passage. Let's let's look at this again, one through ten together. It says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedience. So we have this nature within us and we have this temptations within us and the deceiver had, had a hold of us and, and he was the one we were living by. His, his spirit was the one we were living by. His instructions, right? And, and that, was, that gave us death and sin. It was trespasses. And so we all, we, we all too, and Paul is identifying and saying, listen, we too were there once We all once lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature, and here's what it was, we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. It sets that stage, right? It sets that stage of of being dead. Being dead, you know, it's interesting. We had a, a wild adventure camp for our teenagers several years ago, and we chose the theme, The Walking Dead. And that's a TV show. It's a pretty, pretty popular TV show for a lot of people about zombies. A zombie apocalypse happens, right? And there are zombies walking everywhere. It's called The Walking Dead. And, and I, I, the, more, the more I thought about it, the more we talked about it as a staff, it just resonated with us that this is exactly what scripture tells us to be or t- tells us that we, we were. We are the walking dead. And, and in fact, I still have that camp t-shirt and I'm wearing it around the house sometimes and my, my daughter will look at it and, and, and she asked the question a long time ago, what is, what is this guy doing? Why is his head all like this? And and she wanted to know, like, what is going on here? And what's well, a zombie? Of course, and, and I'm sure that she's seen some kind of cartoonish, like, zombies. And my, my son always asks me, Daddy, are you afraid of mummies or zombies? And no, I'm not, son. I'm not. You know, I once was a zombie, but I'm not now. But I talked to my daughter about this, right? She's like, well, I want to understand. This. And, and on the shirt, and I wish I had a picture of it now, but on the shirt, there's this cross on the hill, right? And it's, where, it's Jesus. We're going to Jesus. And there's this fence below the cross on the bottom of the hill. And there's this little gate, right? A narrow gate that we can enter to get to Jesus, and it's there, but, and the zombie's on the outside of that, kind of walking towards the cross, but the zombie is still a zombie on the outside of the gate, on the outside of the fence, and Jesus is there, and my, my daughter's like, what, tell me, she wanted me to tell the whole story of this picture, I'm like, sweet, so the gospel, I said, here's the deal, this is, this is a zombie, and, and they're, they're basically a person who's the walking dead, what does that mean, daddy, well, Bailey, they're alive, and they, they can move, and they can, they can breathe and they can talk. They're, pe- they're people like you and I. But on the inside, their hearts are dead. Their hearts are dead because of sin and because of the, the bad things they've done in their life. And, and that they've been separated from Jesus, because, and from God, because of their sin. And, and it's Ephesians right here, right? We, we were children under wrath. We were dead in our trespasses. The first verse, you were dead in your trespasses and your sins, children under wrath. You were the walking dead. And I remember we had this theme in, and and we had some people who wanted to be part of it and they're like you know we can't be part of that anymore we don't want to promote like tv shows like that that's pretty dark like that's okay i get it but i just was convicted and convinced that this was scripture and now my my daughter can can talk in terms of that person's heart is dead right and she'll even ask sometimes like if she sees something strange or someone behaving bad or hears something uh, a story that's bad like daddy is that person's heart dead yeah probably baby probably they really need jesus huh we need to pray for their heart that they would come to life. We're all, we all were, and some of you might still be, the walking dead. And, and see, as a body of Christ, what's beautiful about that is we, we who have, have been convinced by the Spirit of God that, that we are the walking dead have now believed in the Son, Son Jesus Christ, and, and he's, he's forgiven us and made us new. And we're no longer dead, we're now alive. Let's continue on in verse 4. Right, here's another conjunction, right? We said, Verse 3, we're all, by nature, children under wrath, as others were also. Verse 4, but God, but God, right? So there's this rescue plan God has, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he has for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You are, you are saved by grace through faith, and it's not from yourselves. It's, a, it's God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. We once were dead, and now we're alive. See, for us, we... we we have to understand and look through those lenses that, that we were, and maybe you are, the walking dead. You're still trying to go through the motions. You're, you're, you look like the rest of the world, just going, you, you wake up, your alarm clock goes off, you get up, you go to work, or you go to your school, or you go wherever you go, and you go home, and you, 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 know, you eat, sleep, and get up and do it all over again. And you're just, just gonna, it's like, is there a meaning to this? Is there a meaning? It's like you're a robot. But you're just zombied out, and, and your heart is ready to come to life. And for those of us, we've experienced that. A lot of us here have experienced that. We knew that time when we were dead and we were far away from Jesus, right? And, and we might have looked very similar in our life, but, but the passion and the excitement and the purpose was not there. And life wasn't there. For the body of Christ, as we come to gather, we come to gather as those who were once dead and we are now what? Alive. We're alive. And we come and we overflow with worship, we overflow with grace, we overflow with compassion, we overflow with love because he has made us alive in Christ Jesus. We gather with our hearts full because we've been brought from death to life. And I, it's, it's so important to understand that. The rest of this is just kind of, could be like, oh, if you do this, we're doing good. This is, you have to get this. You have to understand that, that you were once dead and when you believed in Jesus, when he, when he convinced your heart that you needed him and you believed in Jesus Christ as Savior, you put your faith in him, he saved you. He forgave you. He, cl- he, he cleansed you and he, put a, he took the heart of stone, that dead heart out, and he put a heart of flesh inside of you, a heart of life inside of you now. And he wants that life and that heart to beat for him, to be passionate for him, and then to be passionate for the world around you. And for you that Maybe you're here and you're still a zombie. and You, you know that you haven't believed in Christ as a Messiah. You haven't trusted him in faith as, as Savior and let his grace wash you totally clean. Do that. Come to him in faith. Know that you are still the walking dead. That there is no life inside. You might have the semblance of life on the outside. And you may be going through the motions, but, but there's no passion. There's no excitement. There's no fullness. There's no life, and there's no hope and joy in that come to life. Know that, that yes, you have separated yourself because of sin. Your, your heart is hard and dark. And, but yes, there is a way. There is a, a gate, a narrow gate that's called Jesus. And Jesus wants you to come to him in faith saying, listen, you can't bring anything to me. You can't bring anything to me and, and offer it to me. You can't t- take things with you. You have to come to me empty and say, I'm ruined. I'm nothing, God. I need you fully. And he says, I'll fill you up. You just wait. I'll fill you up. You go to him hungry and he will satisfy you. He will make you alive. The body of Christ are those who God's mercy has brought from death into life. All right? Are you alive? Yeah? Number two, the body of Christ are those who are united in Christ. We are united in Christ. And, and this is really important for us to understand. You know, we have this, this, uh, this scale we tend to, like, like, measure each other on and measure ourselves on or against. We like to say, well, I'm not quite as good as that person. I'm not, I don't have it all together like this person does. And we'll get into that in a minute. But I want us to understand that when we come to Christ as the body of Christ, we are united in Christ. And that, that means something. That means something to our status and to our relationship with each other. Let's look at the text, verses 11 through 18. So then, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done uh, in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. So so catch that real quick. There were were factions, divisions, and and he's thinking there's the the Jew and the Greek here he's talking about, right? The circumcised and the uncircumcised, and they'd point fingers at each other and say how wrong they were or or try try to belittle the other one's stance. And, and it went beyond that. We saw in Galatians as we talked that, that he didn't just speak about you know, Jews and Greeks. He said male and female, slave or free. Like, he, he went on and on. This, this list is, is comprehensive of, of division, how we could be divided, right? of, how, of how we could be measured against the other person. This list is, is long. But he says, in essence, says at that time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants, uh, covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. That, and that's the truth of everyone. We, we just talked about that. There's a heart that's dead inside. we the walking dead without Jesus Christ. So it, it doesn't matter if you're a Jewish walking dead or a Greek walking dead or a male walking dead or a female walking dead or whatever walking dead you are, you're still the walking dead. What's beautiful about that, that everyone is the walking dead, he gives everyone the opportunity to not be the walking dead and be united in, not in culture, but in Christ. Not in preference, not in gender, but in Christ. Look, look at verse 14, or 13, sorry. But now, another conjunction I love, but now in Christ, in who? In Christ, right? You who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In His flesh, not in my flesh, not my abilities, not my culture, in His flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations, so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. Right, there doesn't have to be any more bickering. We can be in Christ. Yes, there's certain, certain standards and certain rules and certain, certain way to live, but I don't have to live by the law and regulations anymore. That's not the standard of, of what gets me right with God. What gets me right with God is faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and that unites, that unites people. We, don't, we, we come from all kinds of backgrounds. And it's, it's weird, some people will come to church and say, man, I've never seen so many conservatives in, in, in one place at one time. I'm like, really? Then another person, same, same breath almost, I've never seen so many liberals in one place at one time. I'm like, you know, yeah, we have some differences here. We have some different mindsets and opinions here, don't we? But ultimately, that is not how we define us. We are defined by being united in Christ Jesus. And then that, that unity we have with each other and in Christ should begin that trickle-down effect and and start to shape us and mold us into His image. Out of our own image, out of our own thoughts, out of our own perceptions, out of our own ideas and preferences into Him. We need to be conformed into the image of the Son. So yes, that unity should bring us together more and more and bring us more closely like-minded than we were. But it doesn't mean we're not different. okay? But we are united in Christ. Um, verse 16. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. There was hostility there. I'm right. No, you're right. No, you're right. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not here saying that that all of these, all these folks out there say, well, my way is right and my way is right are all united now in one. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is as we come to Christ and try to figure out what What being alive looks like, we can all, cross culturally, cross all these different different uh, preferences, or cross the aisles, you know, liberal conservative, uh, male and female, poor or rich, we can all come to one, one person, one flesh, that is Jesus, who gave Himself on the cross for us, and in that sacrifice, we can become united, in faith in Christ Jesus. There is still only one God. There is still only one way to 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 enter heaven. And it's through Jesus Christ. But He is the one who unites us. And He puts the hostility to death. There's no more, no more need to argue. This is, there's one, one way for him. It's, uh, with Him and in Him. Verse 17. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace so that you, or to you, uh, who were, were far away. He, so the peace was to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through Him we both have access in one spirit through the Father. Amen? There's unity in that. There's unity. And, and, and even in unity, we understand that we're still going to be at different places in our spiritual journey, our spiritual walk. Some are very, very fast. Someone, someone comes to faith in Christ, and man, they are getting it, right? They're firing on all cylinders. They are soaking up and just digesting God's Word, and they are growing, and they are just, they're good to go. But some of us have a lot more baggage, right? A few more carry-ons that we got to kind of toss aside, and it may, may take us a little longer to get to that place, right? But we're all in this growth journey. We're united as one in Christ Jesus. So we've all come from different places, but we can still be united in Christ and we can still now belong to one another, as Scripture says. I'm going to read a couple other passages here. Uh, you don't have to turn there. You can write it down or go there later. But Romans 12 says this in verse 3 through 6 For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Right? This is the idea, like, this is what I'm saying, like, we start to measure ourselves against other people. And, and, and you might look at me and say, man, I, I really, really measure highly because look at Brandon, what he's doing. Right? We, we start to, we start to put, put ourselves on this measuring scale, and it goes on, it says, instead, think sensibly. So what, what is our thought sensibly? Sensibly is this, we were all dead. That's, that's Folks, that is the same boat. We were all in the same boat. Amen. And now we're alive, that's still the same boat, right? A a different boat, but the same boat together. How do we measure up? We only measure up in Christ. Not how great you're doing or how poorly I'm doing. We all measure up in Christ. So think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body and not all the parts have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and we're individually members of one another. Or other translations say we belong to one another. We belong to one another. According to the grace given us, we have different gifts. So we've been put in the same boat and united in Christ, and we've been brought from death to life. And now now in that unity in Christ, he gives us measures of grace and measures of faith and gifts in order to serve the body of Christ. And some of those gifts are based on talents you have and have, have grown in. Some of those gifts are just gifts that he has given you supernaturally to be able to do or to understand or to to reason, or to teach, or to to pray, whatever it might be, He's giving you gifts. And those gifts are for unity. And if we are the body of Christ, we have been individually brought from death into life. Yes! The next part is, now we are one body united in Christ. Now, it's not just united ideally, like, oh, yes, we're we're all in the same kind of thing going on. No, we are united for one another. We are united for one another. Ultimately, for God's glory, but for one another, and, and this we use these gifts. We belong to one another. Scripture just told us, right? We 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 belong to one another. We have to give ourselves to one another. And, we, and, and here's here's where we get caught up. And I, I've thought about this a lot, and I've been praying about this a lot. You know, as I've I've been thinking about the church and working on the church and our structure and and, and helping us grow as a as a body and as a church family. Some of the places we're lacking are are like so, solid solid um, committed followers of Christ who say, you know, I can teach. I really, know, I know the Bible well, and I, I could sit in a group and teach this to people, right? Or maybe you're a small group leader where you want to facilitate discussion and community and take care of people and, and pray with people, and, and certainly there's qualifications for those things, but, but here's what I'm finding. I'm finding that, that those I would believe, right, through, through years of experience with them, I'm finding that those who are probably qualified and likely should be teaching, or should be discipling others, or, or, or uh, helping develop community in groups, are not doing so. Not all of them. But, and here's, here's why. There's this measuring standard that they use, and, and, and some of them, there's two things. One is, I'm not good enough like that person. I'm, I can't even claim to be as good as so-and-so. So why even what? Why even try why even try? I just, I'm not... No, no, no. Now you're dividing. We're united in Christ. He's all given us a gift. He's all given us this measure of faith. And it's Him who does this through us. So maybe we should say, you know what? I, I need to give that a try. I need to, I, someone could benefit from God using me as a teacher or as a leader, as, a, as someone who disciples. The, the other aspect is this. There are lots who are saying, I don't think so. Because the guilt and the shame of their past, when they were once dead is hindering them from being alive right now and loving people towards Jesus. They think that their past is so bad that if people really knew them, they would want nothing to do with them. And fear is keeping them from saying, yes, this is me. I should be doing this. Now, maybe that's you. I I know that, that fear tends to kind of invade in me as well fear, like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't want to do that. I, I, I'm guilty, or I'm, I feel ashamed, or I, you know, I, if someone really knew. We have to get over that, because that's when we once were dead, and now we are alive. Now, granted, there, there, are, there are people out there, there, there are some of you who are saying, I know I should be a teacher, but I am actually committing adultery right now on my spouse. Yeah, you're not qualified. You need to repent of your sin, and you need to get with Jesus and come back to life, right? You're going down a rough path right now, and get out of that, and you need to, you need to come back to come back to faith and strengthen yourself and be strengthened and put yourself in a position to grow, right? I'm not, that's not, not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is those who are letting their past, like right now and, and for the last three, four, five, 10, 20 years, they've been doing amazing. They, they, are, they are just an awesome representative of the gospel and of Jesus Christ, but they're still letting the past dictate their present. God is saying, listen, I, I brought you from death to life and I have united you in Christ, that, that you cannot do that, anymore. you cannot be measuring up against people. So, and, and we do that, don't we? We come here, and some, well, they're dressed a little better than I am, or they have they, they, they a little more put together, their kids are a little more well-behaved, my. you know what? We are all in this journey together, and if you would allow yourself to be humbled, and you would allow yourself to be in community with other people, and to grow with other people, and let that shame and guilt go away, and God is to grow you, you would thrive in that not only would you thrive, your, your church family, the body of Christ would thrive as well because we belong to one another. And it's so important for us to, to, to belong and to, to be there, not measuring up against each other, but saying, I'm just inadequate altogether. I need help. I need strength. I need someone to pour in to me and invest in me. And, and it's not always like that. Sometimes we feel strong and we can pour into someone who's not. But we're on the same page, in the same boat. I, and I, I feel this way too because I, I'm the pastor, right? And I when I go to functions, whether family functions or church functions, that, that when, when prayer is needed, who do they ask? They ask me. It's not that I don't love praying. I love to pray. And I'll, and I'll do it. Now, now you're all going to be kind of timid, like, oh, we can't ask Brandon to pray anymore. Now, listen, I, I love to pray. But when, when we start to elevate people on a pedestal and say, well, they're definitely, they're qualified to do this. Really? What qualifies us to pray. My children pray. But we, our heart, being motivated and humbled before God, qualifies us to pray. Right? And so we put ourselves in these pedestals. This, this week, on, on Wednesday, right? I, I want to let you know I'm human. Okay? Wednesday, we had to take my son to the ER on Wednesday night. We, we, we were, he was complaining, he had a low-grade fever, he was complaining of a pain in his abdomen, moved to his right side. We thought, you know what, little kids can't really talk as much as older kids. I had Dr. Holst check him out. Let's just go to the ER and make sure it's not appendicitis. I want to make sure we're okay here, right? Listen, I was, uh, I was vulnerable. I was in a hospital. You know, like you go to a hospital when you get sick, right? Or when your kids get sick. Well, I, we're in the same, same playing field here. Well, I have a gift that I'm using to teach and to preach and to inspire you on towards love and good deeds and equip you for the, the ministry. But you have a gift that will help me. And, and it was so, so, so appreciated. The text messages and the love and the support that we got in the, ne- the next that day and the days to follow from my church family, who said, hey, we're loving you, we're praying for you, we're encouraging you, is there anything we can do for you? And, and that's amazing to me, because that, that's what we're talking about, this unity in Christ puts us on this level playing field. We have to get over ourselves at times to come up and say, I want to I serve, I want to play, I want to be a part of it. But that's what we're talking about, that unity in Christ, we belong to one another. It's not that I have this special team that's, you know, because I'm the pastor, I have a special team of people who pray, and I don't need you to pray for me. No, I need you to pray for me. You need me to pray for you. And we owe it to one another, right? We owe it to God to love one another. And so one another's here. So we, we belong to one another. We, we're united in Christ. The body is united in Christ. And we don't... By the way, my son's doing great. You're like, what, what happened to Wesley? He's doing fine. Didn't look like appendicitis. He, he got the fever down. And he's just playing with his Batman toys now like he used to. So pretty awesome. But this fear of the past, right? This fear of the past or... or or the, or the shame that we have from our past, or the guilt we have from the past, it paralyzes us. That can't measure up. No, you don't have to measure up anymore. Jesus already took care of that. Let him just take care of that. He's given you, given you a new heart. He's given you a passion and excitement. He's given you this joy. He's giving you each other. Then go and love and serve one another. Another passage going on in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, it says, instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable. So it's like, this is what he's saying, like, I want to pick you up. You think you're less honorable. No, I want to give you greater honor so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. This is what I'm talking about, right? The same concern for one another. We're on the same playing field. So, so if one, uh, one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. This is, this is something I've been kind of... Developing in my heart and my mind over the past few months. And, and I, I think I want to tell you like, like people come to me and say, Well, what what ministry? I'm ready to get involved in a ministry. What's the ministry I should get involved in? And that's really a hard question, right? Depending on your gifts and your passions, excitement, your availability. But but here's the first ministry every believer, I believe the first ministry every believer should be involved in. The ministry to the pew. Here, here's what I mean by that. There's a pew. And some churches have chairs, and some, people, some churches have dirt floors. The ministry to the pew is, I am going to commit to be united with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I'm going to commit to being in that pew. We, we tend to think this is for, for us individually. Oh, I'll come and I'll get out of it. And, well, today I'm not feeling really, I, I'm okay. I feel pretty full of God. I, I have other things I can do. I'll stay home. The scripture says, let's not forsake the gathering together, right, as some, as some are in the habit of doing Let's assemble. Let's gather. The ministry to the pew says, "I'm going to be present, and more than that, I'm going to be attentive—not only to what's being said, but what's going on around me." I I want the ministry to the pew should be: you can stand up at green time, and you have a ministry happening there in your little groups. That people are being loved on, people are being hugged, people are being welcomed, people are being asked how are they doing. I want you to look at this. It says, "So if one member suffers in verse." Well, you don't look at this. I'll read it. If one member suffers, all the members suffer. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. In this ministry to the pew, I think they're, they're at least, if you, the simplest way to do this, and you can do this anywhere, anytime, but the simplest way to do this in community together, it, during greeting time, you find someone, and you look at them, you just, you grab them, how, how are you? You look them in the eyes, right? Eyeball to eyeball. And you can ask them two questions. One has to do with honor, one has to do with suffering. First question is this, is about honor. What's the best thing that happened this week? What's the best thing that happened this week? I want to rejoice with you. Second question: What's the worst thing that happened this week? I want to suffer with you. I want to suffer with you. And and just I read I read an article where a, a pastor did that with a, with somebody, and he wasn't he was just oh how I'm good, I'm oh, good to see you, okay. But he actually had that had that interaction with someone. Someone came up to him and asked him what's the best thing this week? What's the worst thing this week? And later on, this 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 pastor had this life experience where. It was tough. He needed to to confide in someone. He needed to approach someone. He needed to to ask someone for prayer. Guess who the first person he thought about was? That person who had a ministry to the pew and said, how you doing? What's the best thing that happened? What's the worst thing that happened? I'm gonna pray for you. So he called that person up and they met and they were able to pray and develop community and develop relationships. And see, that's how we strengthen one another. We devote ourselves in unity to one another. We we have a ministry to, to the pew. Be here. It's so important that we're here. I think we, I think I've used this recently, but statistics say that committed Christians, those who call themselves committed Christians, say they're a committed Christian if they attend the gathering one time per month. That's committed. I I want to be committed to you every chance I get. I want to be here committed, not only for me, but for you every chance I get. You're like, well, Brandon, you're the pastor, you have to be here. I know, my wife reminds me all the time, I have to get up and go to church. But, but I need you. They need you, and they need you, and they, we need each other. So commit to that ministry, to the pew, and to each other, to love and serve and check in. How are you suffering? How are you being honored? What's the best thing that happened this week? What's the worst thing that happened this week? Finally, number three, the body. The body is actually given a ministry to one another. Okay, and this, this kind of flows into number two, and that's, that's fine. Let's look at the last part of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Remember, we were once excluded, and now we are brought near, right? So then, in verse 19, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you were uh, also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. So we're given a ministry to one another. This idea of this ministry is that discipleship should be happening. Gr- spiritual growth should be happening. We should be being built up and growing in the Lord uh, day day in and day out, more and more as the, as the time passes. And so we talked about kind of the they, right? Who, who they are. Well, they're the ones that are are brought from death to life, and they're the ones who are united in Christ. And, and this kind of is more talking about, now, what do we do? What are the they doing? And we, we hit on that this last point as well, right? They're committed to the pew. They're with each other, talking about suffering, talking about honor. Or, you know, what's the best thing? What's the worst thing? But this is going on kind of more detail. What, what, what should this look like as the body? What should we look like? And Acts 2.42 is a really great verse about this. It says in, in Acts, it says, they devoted themselves. They, those who have been brought from death to life, those who have believed, in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior. They devoted themselves. You see, when I say about a ministry to the pew, and I say a committed Christian is only here once per every four weeks, fine, fine. Let the committed Christians be here once every four, or once every four weeks. But maybe you and I should be more like the devoted Christians, the devoted Christ followers, the ones who say, I am going to devote myself to something. I've been brought from death to life. How can I not be united and be devoted to something bigger than me. Those, the committed ones, they can still show up once every quarter or once every once in a while. But I want to devote. And what do they devote themselves to? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? The, the hearing of and growing in the Word of God. That's so important. That's, that's, a part of why, that's why this is part of the aspect of church, of the gathering. We preach the Word of God. We teach the Word of God. This is the apostles' teaching. So we would grow in that. And you and I would be devoted to that. And then what they devote themselves to, it says, to the fellowship. This is devoting each, each, to each other, to one another, right? Bear each other's burdens, love one another, grieve with one another. Um, we, can, we can hold each other accountable. There's all the one another's in the Bible. There's so many one another's. We're supposed to do that. We devote ourselves to the one another's, to the breaking of bread, it says, and a prayer. Breaking of bread is, is both remembrance of the Lord's Supper. We break the bread and we remember it's also hospitality. We practice hospitality. Come and eat with me. Come break bread with me. Let's be united and grow together in Christ. That's why, if you're in a community group, it's great to have food together. So if, if I had it my way, a you know, community group would be like three hours, four hours long. Let's come. Let's, let's hang out. Let's get, get to know and, and let's eat and let's, let's eat again later on and let's study the word. Right, that, that's developing community. We devote ourselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer, certainly, prayer. How can I pray? And, and see, this mindset of prayer, and we're going to go into it next week, but this mindset of prayer is, is from humility. Saying that I have been given everything by God. There's nothing I've achieved on my own, and when I devote myself to prayer, I'm saying, you are still supreme. You are still the one I'm devoting myself to. You're still the one I'm, I'm elevating above myself, above my preferences or desires. I am going to devote myself to you. We devote ourselves, so let's be devoted. Because we're given a ministry to one another. In Ephesians chapter 4 our last passage today, 11 through 16, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ, until we all reached unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with, with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind and te- of teaching, by human cunning and with cleverness and the techniques of deceit, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into Him who is the head, Christ. From Him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for, for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. We need each other. In order for us to function as the body, we need each other. We need... We, Serve in the capacity you know best to serve. And it starts with eyeball to eyeball each other, right? Loving each other by this love that we have for one another. All men will know that we are His disciples. This is not an individual-only type game we're playing here, right? We are to place we ourselves in places where we will be discipled and grow and where we will disciple others and help them grow. So we are no longer Children, it says, tossed by the waves and deceived by other forms of teaching. We want to grow up. I don't want to be a child tossed about by the waves anymore. I want to grow up in that. So, so here, here's the deal as we close. As our church grows and, and we're, we're growing, in, I think, in, in love for one another, and listen, I need you to understand, I think you are doing a stellar job. I think our church loves each other so well and loves our community so well. Can we grow? Of course we can grow. Can we get better at that? Of course we can get better at that. And the better we are at that, the more we're going to, first of all, individually grow. Hearts here are going to grow. I'm not talking, listen, I'm not here saying, I want to fill these pews up. I want every seat full. It's all about the numbers. No, it's about the number of people we can get to come from death to life, to love Jesus, and to grow in community with other believers being united in Christ. Amen? That's what it's about. And if it's more numbers here, numerically, great. But if it's just you and I right now, taking care of you and I right now, that's what's important. That's what's important. So maybe you are. Maybe you're you're someone who says, you know what, I I know I should be teaching. I don't know what that looks like, but I I know I need to have that conversation with the church leadership. Then come have that conversation. Let's talk. Let's just just commit to a talk, okay? I I know I shouldn't be letting my past dictate my present. My past is gone. It's done. I've repented. Jesus has dealt with it. I've been brought from death to life. I have life. I need to share life. Then do that. And, then, and here, so here's the kind of three points of application. I want you to commit to being alive. You were brought from death into life. Commit to being alive everywhere you go. Be alive. Don't walk around like a zombie going through the motions. Be purposeful and passionate with people everywhere you go. God doesn't get the address wrong, right? Go Wherever you go, wherever you, he puts you, be passionate and be alive. Commit, not commit, nay, devote. Right? Devote yourself to being alive. The next thing is devote yourself to one another. Devote yourself to others. And that means devote the ministry of the pew. Devote yourself to the gathering. Devote yourself to being eyeball to eyeball, face to face with each other. Devote yourself to love and care and take care of each other. Devote yourself to asking, what's the best part of your week? What's the worst part of your week? How can I pray for you? Oh, by the way, here's how you can pray for me. And finally, devote yourself to growth. Devote yourself to growth. If you're settling, you're like, I'm good. If you're good being a toddler on the sea in a boat by yourself don't settle for that devote yourself to grow there are plenty of sunday school classes bible, bible studies right after the service in about four minutes right that you can go and be a part of you can grow in you can be in community with or maybe you need to lead a bible study. you're like i, I need to teach i need to I, I i even have people in mind who would probably join my my group maybe you need to teach then let me know right but overall, all of us should, should be able to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to desire to grow. I'm going to get in the Word. I'm going to get in community. I'm going to get in relationships and fellowship so I would grow and mature as a Christ follower, as a disciple of Christ. And as we love one another, then the world will see that we are his disciples. And the world's going to appear and say, look how they love. Look at what Christ has done. They were dead, and now there is life there. Amen? All right, let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your love. We thank you for your commitment to us. God, as you have committed to bring us from death into life, and we, we are so thankful for that. God, give us just a passion, a new resolve, a passion, and excitement for you. God, that we would, we would be so passionate about Jesus and where you have brought us that we would, we would love one another well, and we would care for one another well. And God, that as we care for one another, we're not measuring up against them. We're, we're saying, God, you have brought us into the same place for such a time as this, that we would love and serve and and grow together. And God, that we would be committed to growth, that we wouldn't be tossed about by the waves like children, God, but we would be strong and and stand firm in the faith and the knowledge that we have gained through the power of your spirit and the power of your word. We thank you for that. We praise you and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, we are, it is time for Sunday school and I want you to go grow. So here's what we're going to do. We're not going to sing our last song today. Sorry, guys. They're great. They'll be here playing in a minute, but I, I'm going to stay here for prayer. If, if someone wants some prayer, that'd be awesome. But right now, you are dismissed. Maybe right now, you, t- you, take, you take just 30 seconds, a minute, and get eyeball to eyeball with somebody. Say, how are you doing? What's the best thing that happened this week? What's the worst thing that happened this week? And that right there is application. That's growth. That's deep stuff. Amen? Amen. Go ask somebody. Right? You can play if you want a little bit. No, I was not saying Just play. Eyeball to eyeball, right there.